This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 349. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 349. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. I hope that you are having a lovely summer Monday wherever you are. If you're listening in live time, this is the week of the 4th of July. So I don't know, maybe you're doing something fun and exciting this week. Or maybe you're like me and our family and you're like, no, we're doing other fun and exciting things this summer. So we're doing nothing exciting this week, (laughs) which is fine. Either way, I love an opportunity to be a homebody. So I'm not complaining one little bit. I wanted to talk a little bit about worthiness today. And as I was going into this topic, I had a really interesting opportunity that just happened to coincide. I was reading through reviews from Shameless MomCon from last April. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to like bring these notes to this episode because they're so relevant. We did a survey after Shameless MomCon and I asked people to fill out the survey and give us some feedback. And I asked people to share their biggest takeaways in this survey. And it was so fascinating that so much of the feedback around this and around the biggest takeaways had to do with worthiness. So I wanted to share what a few people said about Shameless MomCon because I know a lot of you are considering joining us and also tickets are going to be on sale very, very soon. So if you want to get on the wait list, 
make sure you get yourself there. If you go over to shamelessmom.com forward slash momcon2020, there'll be a link in the show notes as always as well. But I wanted to give you this little preview into what moms walked away with from this event. Because I think when you see what other people walk away with, you're like, oh, I can see myself there. And also, yes, I need that in my life right now, please. So Shameless MomCon 2020 is coming up at the end of March. And I want you to be there if you're like, yes, I need this in my life based on what you hear me read over the next couple of minutes. So when I asked the Shameless Moms to let me know what their biggest takeaways from the event were, here's a few things that people said. So the first Shameless Mom said her biggest takeaway was knowing that I can do hard things, that I can do great things, that we women are more alike than we know. And knowing this is empowering beyond my wildest imagination. I believe in myself for the first time in a long time, and it has everything to do with being in Momentum Mamas and participating in the first Shameless Mom Con. Love that. And I think that it's really important that we have these opportunities to be in places where we get those affirmations, right? That yes, we can do hard things. Another person, another Shameless Mom said, my biggest takeaway was there are so many women out there who share the same struggles as me and don't face this world alone. Another big takeaway is that I can do hard things. I faced a lot of fears with coming to MomCon and I realized that I'm stronger than I thought I was. Shameless MomCon really gave me the little push I needed to step out of my comfort zone. And one last takeaway is that I'm blown away and amazed by the friendships that I made while here. I had no idea that I could make such strong connections. Another Shameless Mom said, my self-limiting beliefs run very deep and are very automatic. They are limiting what is possible in creating a business because they are limiting what is possible in creating a business because I don't at the core feel worthy of deserving boundaries that would help nourish me to bring my best self to business planning and action. I need to start with care for myself and practicing other thoughts eventually to have more helpful beliefs about myself. And last one I'll share, this shameless mama said, her biggest takeaway is that I am worth it. Even though I don't feel successful in my career, I'm incredibly successful in other facets in my life. The career will come if I keep believing in myself. I learned a lot about my personality type and how that has affected my entire life. I learned to embrace myself and the other women for the struggles we've been through. I've come out of this weekend with a renewed sense of drive and motivation to make big changes. So I loved reading through these and reading what these breakthrough moments were like for so many shameless moms. And I was fascinated by the constant reference to self-limiting beliefs and also to self-worth and this kind of like startling recognition that, oh, wait, I can do hard things. And sometimes we just need reminders. And here's the thing, and I'll get more into this in a little bit, but here's the truth. You've already done a whole lot of hard things in your life. And sometimes we forget that when we're faced with something hard and we don't believe in ourselves, we have to look back and just by virtue of being a woman, you've overcome a bunch of things. And by virtue of being a mother, you've overcome a whole bunch of way bigger things probably than just by virtue of being a woman. By virtue of being a mother, you have gone through some hardships because you don't parent a child without hardships. So I want you to always be aware of just by virtue of being a mom, how that exponentially grows your self-worth if you can turn into that and see it and own it. So let's go ahead and dive in and talk a little bit more about self-worth. And I want to say that this episode topic came up because multiple women asked me about it. So in my coaching opportunities where I work with women in one-on-one settings, I've had multiple women say to me recently, 
I think it all comes down to my self-worth. I think that's why I'm not doing things, why I haven't done things in a long time. And oftentimes women will come to me and say like, these are the things I need to do. And yep, I'm going to go do it. And then they'll come back to me and tell me that they just feel paralyzed. And what I've recognized and what I started really sharing with women openly, especially when it comes to making big changes in your life is that it's often not about the action steps and it's not about what specific action steps you need to take. It's about recognizing your own worth before you approach the action steps, because then the action steps come a lot more easily. They might still be scary and nerve wracking, but if you know your worth, you will do the hard things. You will trust yourself. You will see yourself as someone who's competent and capable, someone who's strong and powerful. If you don't know your worth, those action steps will sit in front of you for years, maybe even decades, and maybe they already have. So I think this is a really important topic. I think it touches so many women. I was actually just in a conversation with some colleagues the other day, and we were talking about our worth around our income and how we tie income to self-worth. And it was a really fascinating conversation, really eye-opening for a number of us and recognizing that especially if you're a high achiever kind of person, sometimes you pick certain metrics and that's how you define your self-worth. I know for me, when I first started out running, I didn't want anyone to know that I ever ran because I was like, well, if I'm running like more than a 10 minute mile, it doesn't really count or it's not really that big of a deal. So I remember like my first two half marathons, I think I ran them between two hours and two hours and 15 minutes. In my mind, I was like, yeah, but you know, that's like more than a 10 minute mile. So that doesn't really count (laughs) or I shouldn't be bragging about it, which is so ridiculous if I say that out loud because obviously running a half marathon for the first time is a massive accomplishment. Running a half marathon at all, like running 13.1 miles is a major, major accomplishment. And that should hugely inflate one's self-worth. But when we tie a metric to it and then say, oh, but it wasn't really that great because it wasn't that fast, that's where we get in our own way. And I did this so much over the years with running and racing in particular. And especially as I was really getting into half marathon running, I went through a phase where my first half marathon I loved because it was the first one and I had never accomplished this before. But then I went through a couple of years of half marathons after that, where every single one, if I wasn't faster than my first one, it felt like a loss. It felt like I didn't do it well. I didn't do it right. And it didn't feel like a win. And a lot of those half marathons actually compromise my self-worth more than complimenting my self-worth because I tied the outcome to a metric, which was very random and arbitrary, by the way. Like, It's not like there's like universal data that's like, well, if you run more than a 10-minute mile and a half marathon, you are a sucky person. (laughs) But this is like the pressure that I put on myself. And I think that women do this all the time in different areas. So maybe you know, if you don't make a certain amount of money, then your job isn't really that important. If you don't weigh a certain amount, you are not pretty or gorgeous or desirable. There's so many areas where this comes up. So I want you to start thinking about where does self-worth come up for you and where do struggles with self-worth come up for you? I want you to look at where and when and why do you feel a lack of worth? What is the root? And you have to really look at the root. And I actually, Andrea Owen, who I've had on the show a couple times, she's so great. And she posted something on Facebook the other day saying that for her, she's never more motivated than when someone believes she can't do something. And this has happened to me so many times where I have been doubted by someone and my initial instinct is to go into a place of compromised self-worth. And so this happened for me 
A great example is, which I've used before, but a great example is when I ran my first and only marathon and I was working at this gym and my boss at the time was asking me about the race. He was also questioning like my performance as a personal trainer. He was a real piece of work. Let me just say that. But anyways, so part of our conversation, we had to do these physical assessments every twice a year at this job where all the trainers were assessed on all these measures. And he was questioning my current level of athleticism. And I said, oh, well, I did just do my first marathon. And he's like, well, how fast did you run it? So I tell him I ran it in four hours and 38 minutes. And he said, oh, well, that's only like the 50th percentile for your age group. So my self-worth was like immediately crushed when he said that. And also in the months after that, I had this very, very strong instinct to prove to him how unbreakable I was, especially by him. So I decided like, I'm going to leave this job and I'm going to take all my clients with me, which I did. And then when his wife, who was co-owner of the business with him, she came up to me and she's like, yeah, you know, if you're going to leave and go out on your own with these clients, you know, it doesn't usually work out for people. So just consider yourself warned. Like she literally said that to me in pretty much in those words. And I was like, oh, again, like hashtag watch me. And so between the two of them, just the way that they really tried to shake my self-worth, I was so determined to be successful. And I think so much of the reason that my gym was as successful as it was, was that like, I was so determined to show this couple, to show Vicky and Richard, like you watch, you just wait and see. I will be the most successful trainer to ever walk out this door. And when I look back at the people that I worked with at that time, who amazing people, I loved the trainers I worked with. So the owners were awful. The trainers were awesome. And when I look back at what I've done, what I've accomplished, not putting down anyone else, but I have built a success and independent success and financial stability and success in different ways for sure. And more metric driven ways where I could like build a spreadsheet and be like, oh, here's how I have proven you wrong to those owners. I made a promise to myself that I would walk out of here and become one of the most successful personal trainers to ever walk out of this space. And here's how I've done that. And I can send you a spreadsheet like at any time to show you how I've done that. Of course, I've never actually had the opportunity to do that, to send them this information. But just know I have it like on my radar that if I ever run into them in the grocery store, like this is a conversation we will have because <laughs> I've had the conversation in my head many times. So Andrea Owen made this Facebook post about, you know, are you someone who's motivated when someone doesn't believe in you? Does that make you even more motivated? And I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely 110%. And so I want you to think about, where does your lack of self-worth come from and what is the root? Because for me, it's typically about some subtle messaging that an individual said to me at some point. And so I want you to think about, for you, is it something that someone said to you at some point in your life or the way someone treated you over time? This can happen a lot in family relationships. Is it the way that you observed yourself in comparison to others and or maybe continue currently to observe yourself in comparison to others in terms of success, achievement, skill, ability, your access to resources and opportunities. So we often do this. We get poor self-worth when we see other people doing way more than us or having way more success with us. And this is such the problem with many aspects of social media is that we see other people doing, quote unquote, more than us or quote unquote, better than us. And as we observe that, it makes us feel less and less worthy. Maybe your self-worth is around unresolved trauma. And this is a huge one. If you have unresolved trauma, sexual assault, physical or emotional abuse, uh, parental rejection or abandonment, 
the root of your self-worth can be hugely compromised and sometimes at a very, very young age. So you have spent maybe the majority of your life feeling not worthy, feeling not protected, feeling not safe. And this is huge. So I want you to look at when you feel a lack of self-worth. How does that show up for you? And what is the root of it? Where did it start? I know where my lack of self-worth comes from when it strikes me. But I've had to do some deep thinking around that. And I've also had to overcome some things around certain dynamics and relationships, certain conversations that I've had over time, things people have said to me. I've had to really be aware of, oh, that thing, that thing really shook me. And here's what I'm going to choose to do about it because I'm not okay letting that thing be in the driver's seat. I'm not okay letting that comment, that person's belief system, the way they treated me, like that is not what's going to drive me. That is not what's going to inhibit me from taking action and being successful in my life. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health, helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So then looking at how does lack of self-worth show up in your life? It shows up in so many ways. And here's what's really fascinating about this is that I have had so many conversations with women over the last year. And this has shown up in my one-on-one business coaching with women. It's shown up in my membership community in Momentum Mamas. It's shown up in my mastermind group in Tenacious Mamas. It's showing up in all of these places where women come to me. And as we get working toward goals and as we designate action steps, and we get super pumped up and fired up about this stuff, when we start asking them questions and looking at like, why did you not do this thing? Or why haven't you done this already? What's holding you back? Like, what are your feelings around this? And I am blown away by how frequently it comes down to self-worth and feeling like they don't deserve something or feeling like they need to put their family first or their kids first or their partner first, and they need to put their self down the totem pole. And then we recognize like, oh, wow, this is a self-worth issue. This is a self-worth issue. If you think I can't you know, go after my dreams until my kids are a certain age. It's a self-worth issue if you think, well, but my husband makes more money than me, so we should create more space for him. So this happens all the time. 
So here's what it might look like if you are struggling with your self-worth. And this might come up a lot and it might come up just every now and then. But here's different ways that I see it show up for women. You're playing small. So you just choose very safe options to stay in your comfort zone consistently. You maybe constantly try to please others. So when you constantly try to please others, it's because you don't think you're worthy of pleasing yourself first or not going out of your way to please others or accommodate someone else. Staying stuck in your comfort zone. So this happens all the time. We stay stuck in our comfort zone, even though life is maybe mediocre or satisfactory at best in our comfort zone, because we don't think that we're worthy of going after more. We have these fears and doubts wrapped up in our poor self-worth. And so we stay stuck in our comfort zone rather than reaching for that thing that's a little bit bigger, a little bit harder, a little bit scarier. And also what happens is that when we never reach for those bigger, harder, scarier things, we never get to experience the magic that comes with achieving the bigger, harder, scarier things. Another way lack of self-worth might show up is that you neglect your own needs and sometimes your own care and self-care. Maybe lack of self-worth for you shows up in lack of confidence around trying new things. This has been a huge one for me. I was talking with a client the other day and we were joking. She was talking about how she wants to consider herself an athlete. She wants that to be part of her identity. And she said, but in anything that doesn't involve throwing balls, because she's like, I don't do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, me neither. And so I have this lack of confidence around like ball sports. Like I will try anything that's individual even if I feel nervous or uncomfortable about it. But like, if you were to say like, Hey, let's go to a team building event and play like basketball or soccer or dodgeball. Like I will be climbing out of my skin with discomfort. So for me, my self-worth around that has to do with PE class growing up. I always felt so incompetent in PE class and very much assumed I was not athletic because I was not given a lot of opportunities to cultivate athleticism growing up. I wasn't pushed to play sports. There wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to play sports based on where I lived relative to my school. And so I just always assumed I'm not an athlete. And I really built an identity around that in my head. And it really compromised my worth in many ways around my physical being and my physical self. And it got in the way for a long time. When I started becoming an athlete as an adult, I was blown away by like, I can actually run a mile. Holy cow, I can actually run 26 miles. Like who knew? So when my self-worth was compromised from all those years feeling very inadequate in PE, I had a lot of confidence around trying new things. When I first started running, I was like running in secret in the dark. I didn't want anyone to know that I was doing it because I didn't want anyone to watch me, judge me, see me. I felt very vulnerable because again, lack of self-worth. Maybe lack of self-worth for you shows up in ignoring your gut and your instincts. Women do this all the time. We ignore our gut, we ignore our instincts, and we listen to other people's opinions of what we should do. And we take their input as the best knowledge rather than listening to our guts or our own instincts. Maybe you measure your worth by outside influences like achievement, job status, or how much money you make. This is another one that happens a lot. We assume that our worth has to do with these outside metrics predetermined by society. So like I'm only worthy and successful if I make at least six figures a year. Maybe your lack of self-worth shows up by prioritizing other people's opinions over your own. I'm wondering if this ever happens to you where you're in a group setting and someone shares an opinion and you were already like going to share something and then someone shares something counter to that and you're like, oh yeah, they're right. And I'm going to like let them keep the stage right now because they're more worthy and I'm not even going to share my opinion now because it's different than theirs. They're probably right. Like they know more about this or they're more worthy or they're more qualified. So I'm just not even going to say my piece. 
Maybe your lack of self-worth shows up as lack of self-trust. You don't see yourself as strong or resourceful or, or capable or resilient, so you don't trust yourself. Maybe it shows up in that you see your life and yourself as half empty rather than half full. Maybe you constantly find yourself shrinking instead of shining. Maybe you consistently make the choice to be small, quiet, subdued, and not a quote-unquote troublemaker. Maybe you're eager to blend in and terrified to stand out. Maybe you live in procrastination station, always putting off goals and dreams and thinking that later, in quotes, later, you'll be more ready, more qualified, or more deserving. Maybe you are someone who minimizes accomplishments. This is one that we don't notice a lot when we're doing it. So someone compliments you on something and you're like, oh, it wasn't even that big of a deal. It wasn't even hard. It's fine. Anyone could do it. So you minimize compliments and accomplishments. This would go back to like my thing with the half marathon racing that if I ran a half marathon that was two hours and 10 minutes and someone congratulated me on it, I'd be like, well, I didn't, I didn't make my goal. <laughs> it wasn't under two hours. So whatever. <laughs> so minimizing accomplishments and shrinking when they give you compliments or comment on your accomplishments. So this has also come up to me in building businesses and having, I mean, gosh, when I went to my 20 year high school reunion, a lot of people were commented on like, oh my gosh, like we see what you've done with your gym locally. Cause it's an area where a lot of people from my high school live. And it was easy to shrink in that and be like, oh, it's nothing. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a little gym. It's just, you know, it's just a tiny little space rather than just accepting like, oh yeah, thank you. I've worked really hard to build that. There's such a difference. And also think about how that comes across to other people. If someone says like, oh my gosh, you did that thing and that's amazing. And you're like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like nothing. And then you shrink and you look little to them. And then they're going to treat you like you're little. And if instead you own it and stand in authority and stand in your power to say like, thank you so much. I worked really hard on that. I really appreciate you seeing like recognizing that or that I totally appreciate the comment or the compliment or the love. Then people see you as big and powerful and they're going to treat you that way, right? So think about how you want people to be treated because this becomes very cyclical. If you are constantly acting small because you feel small, people will see you as small and treat you as small and you will continue to play small. If you are playing big and standing tall and standing in your power, people will see you that way and they will talk to you as if you are big and strong and powerful and then you will have more opportunities to be big and strong and powerful. If every time I sit in a meeting, I speak with authority, then I'm going to be taken way more seriously than if every time I sit in a meeting, I say, well, I don't know. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I just have a little question. And I know my opinion doesn't really count. No, none of that. Because when you shrink like that, you keep playing small and people keep treating you small and your self-worth continues to plummet. So you have to play bigger, stand bigger, stand taller, stand in your power in order to be treated that way, be seen that way and continue to grow in that direction. So even if it feels like you're faking it, you have to do it in order to be it. So here's the dangerous side of struggling with your self-worth. And this is so, so epidemic in women. The dangerous side of struggling with your self-worth is your risk for isolation, loneliness, depression, and anxiety. And these are all at epidemic levels among women and especially moms right now. Isolation, loneliness, depression, and anxiety. So if you are struggling with your self-worth, you are way more likely to feel isolated, lonely, depressed, and anxious all the time. And this is going to make you sick, 
physically and or mentally. It's going to hold you back from anything in life. And it's going to keep you plain small. So how do you improve your self-worth? That's the big question, right? It's easy for me to talk about how it shows up. And you're like, yes, yes, that's exactly how it shows up. Now what do I do? So I want to talk you through some ways that you can improve your self-worth and really start to identify ways to overcome self-limiting beliefs and poor self-worth if this is something you've been struggling with for a long time. Okay, so you ready? You might want to take some notes on this part. So we're going to go through nine ways to improve your self-worth. Number one, first and foremost, come to Shameless MomCon, obviously. I mean, no brainer, but we will be working very specifically around self-worth at Shameless MomCon 2020 because of the need that I have seen for women across the board to address this and because of what I saw come out of Shameless MomCon 2019 and how powerful it was, we will definitely, definitely be working on self-worth at Shameless MomCon. And I already have some really great like ideas, activities, things that we're going to be doing that are going to be super eye-opening and also very freeing and fun. I promise to keep it fun. Second one, number two, talk to yourself as you would talk to your child if your child were to share self-doubts that mirrored yours. I want you to think about if your child came up to you and they said, I just don't feel like I'm good at school. I never get A's. I'm bad at everything. I hate reading. I'm not good at math. Everyone else who sits at my table gets hundred percent. And I always get, you know, a 72. What would you say to your child? Because here's the thing. You would talk to your child so differently than you talk to yourself. And I want you to think about how similar the scenarios are. So we are not unlike our children when it comes to our self-doubt and our poor self-worth. We let these kind of silly things creep into our heads and then we hold them to be true when they're not just like children do. Right? So if your kid comes to you and they're saying, you know, I'm no good because I got a B minus on my book report and my best friend got an A plus. What do you say to that child? And in a similar situation, when you feel like you haven't done your best at work and someone else has really shined, how do you speak to yourself? Because you probably speak to yourself very harshly. You probably lead with self-criticism, but when you speak to your child, you probably lead with compassion. So what if you could start to lead with compassion when you talk to yourself? What if you could pump yourself up the way you do with your kid? What if you could acknowledge your gifts and reiterate them to yourself and reinforce them to yourself the way that you would share them and reinforce them with your child? Number three, play devil's advocate. Every time you find yourself being critical, look at the opposite side. So when you feel yourself in those self-critical states, I want you to, instead of sinking in that spot... Instead, look at the opposite and look at how was I strong? How was I powerful? How was I resilient? How did I show up in the face of fear? How did I learn from failure? How did I show grace? How did I touch or impact someone else? Those are all really important questions. Sometimes because we look at something metric driven and we say, oh, well, I had a goal. I'll use the example of someone writing their first book. I had the goal of selling 10,000 copies and I only sold 1,500. Yeah, but you wrote a book and those 1,500 people, what did they have to say about it? How did you impact their life? How did you model tenacity to your child if you got up every morning and wrote from 5 to 7 a.m. in order to accomplish writing a book? So think about an instance where 
something didn't feel successful to you and you became self-critical, instead of playing devil's advocate and examining the truth behind where you were strong and powerful and resilient, how you showed up in the face of fear, how you learned a valuable lesson from things not going the way you hoped that they would. How did you show grace and how did you touch and impact someone else? Number four, write a letter to your or naysayers. What do you want to say to all those people who've made you feel small or unworthy? Lay it all out on the table. Do this in one sitting or in, over the course of multiple sittings. So here's how I do this. I actually don't write it. I do it when I'm running. But so you can do it when you're running if you want. It depends on like, where do you get most of your fire? So for me, it's what I'm running. I have done this in writing, but I mostly do it with running. So for me, the letters I write to people in my head. I mean, I have written letters to pol- I used to do this in my 20s. I went through this series of getting a million parking tickets and multiple times I got parking tickets where the parking person or the police, whoever it was, would be there like writing the ticket when I got to my car. And they were always really, really rude to me. Very dismissive, very condescending. And it made me livid. And when this happened, when I was like in my super early 20s, I kind of felt like, well, I'm a little girl. That's just how they talk to little girls. But I got to a certain point at like 25. And I was like, you know, actually, I have more education than some of these police officers. And they're talking to me like I'm a worthless piece of crap. Like That is not cool. I made a mistake like reading a parking sign. This does not make me a horrible person. No one has the right to talk to me this way. And I would like go off on these just like lectures in my head when I was running. And I always felt so much better when I was done. And I was able to step into my power as I went through this whole series of emotion and speaking points and like tallying up all the ways that I am worthy and all the ways I'm more worthy than that stupid police officer. And I would get done and be like, I can't wait till the next time I get a ticket and the police officer standing right there because I'm prepared now. I am prepared with my arsenal of comments to defend my honor. And of course, once I had this all written, I never got a parking ticket again. I've never had the opportunity to actually state my piece, but I have done this in other capacities where I have been able to use that information. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. 
I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I've had instances with people, with bosses, with coworkers, where I have been able to write things out or think them through really thoroughly when I'm running and then go back and have a conversation where I really feel like I can step into my power. So write it all out and write it in like in a high emotion state. This is not something you're going to send. It's not something that you're actually going to do anything with unless there's an opportunity to create, you know, a civil mature conversation out of it. But I'm not at all saying like spit this all out in a big, huge emotional mess and then give it to someone. But I want you to process it and writing it all out and just being like as emotional as you can be about it will create a space for you to process and a space for you to come full circle, to come back to where it all began and step into the power that you had before someone cut you down. Number five, move your body. Motion helps you process emotion. So for me, I just talked about how I do this with running. And know that when you are in motion, processing emotion, you have the opportunity to expand, to stretch yourself, to work yourself in a hard way. And it's going to be an emotional experience. And a lot of things are going to come up and you're going to get to work through them. And so what this might look like, so knowing that this is going to be an emotional experience, I recommend walking, running, spinning, boxing, stretching, yoga, Pilates, like things where you can open and expand. All of this will greatly expedite your processing and improve your ability to regulate your self-talk in a new way. Because what happens as you're going through all this, you have realizations and you have these like come to Jesus moments where all of a sudden things shift. So motion helps you process emotion, and then you can walk away in a much more enlightened state because of that experience. And that can dramatically change your self-talk moving forward. Number six, identify your competencies and create a space to cultivate and grow them. This is a big one because this is a struggle for moms. Moms are anyone who designates themselves as being quote unquote really busy, which is you know pretty much everyone. So where can you identify what you're competent at? And create space to cultivate and grow those things because it's going to indulge you in new gifts, strengths, and talents and help you grow your identity in a new dynamic direction. So for me, this was what the creating the podcast was all about. Identifying my competency around talking about motherhood and my experiences in motherhood and having the opportunity to speak publicly on this. That was a competency. Creating a space to cultivate and grow that, that was launching the podcast. And that was just like, let's just see how it goes. Like, I think this is just going to feel good for me and for my own self-talk and for my own experience. Like this wasn't for anyone else initially. It wasn't about building something that like needed to make X amount of money in X amount of months or anything like that. It was just identifying an area that I felt competent in and creating a space to cultivate that and grow it. 
and just see what happened. What happens when you create space to cultivate and grow areas of your life that you're already competent in, but you want to be a little more in touch with, or you want more opportunity to grow and evolve in? Number seven, trade self-compassion for self-criticism. So going back, I talked about this a little bit earlier. I want you to look at where does that self-criticism constantly creep in and where can you go to a place of self-compassion instead? So when you're standing in front of the mirror in the morning and you're being critical of your body and just going through the laundry list of all the things that you can't stand, where can you use self-compassion? Self-compassion for what your body's been through, for what your body's capable of, for all the ways that you use your body every day that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do for all the ways that your body is a vessel for doing amazing things and keeping you safe and providing you opportunities to be strong and capable for all the ways that you get to model to your child, what it's like to be confident in your body and be compassionate toward your body. So trading self-compassion for all that self-criticism. And this can be used in so many different ways. So obviously with body image is one way. It can also be used for maybe you're feeling like not, this actually has come up recently a number of times in Momentum Mamas where people talk about not loving their current job and recognizing self-compassion over self-criticism and recognizing that like right now I might be in a job that I don't love, but this job serves a purpose. And for right now, I need to be in a place where like I carry the benefits for the family and I make X amount of money. And maybe this isn't the thing that I really love. And maybe it doesn't totally light me up. But right now, this is the best choice I can make for my family because it's keeping us safe and stable and secure. And that's really, really important for my kids. And in a year, maybe I can change this. In two years, maybe I can change this. Maybe in six months, I can change it. Maybe there's things you can start doing now. But instead of being self-critical and saying like, I hate this job, I, I'm worthless because this job sucks. And compared to all my friends, you know, I should be doing more with my life or, you know, by this age, I thought I would have, an, you know, my master's or my PhD, or I would have achieved a certain title or a certain amount of money. Instead, looking at where is the compassion for where you're at right now and the value that that adds to your life and to your family's life. Number eight, affirm your real worth. So I want you to think about, so we get tied up in things that have nothing to do with our real worth, like how much money we make or how fast you can run a mile. You know, all these examples I've already given. If you have belly fat or a six pack, all these things. So I want you to think about what would other people say about you at your funeral? It's a little bit weird to think about, but your real worth is probably most easily discovered by what people would say about you at your funeral. And people would say she was so sweet, thoughtful, charming, funny, loving, strong, powerful, fascinating, interested, invested in her kids. She was adoring to her family. She was so empathetic. She was such an adventurer. She was an activist. She was always fighting for the underdog. She always had fun. She was always laughing. She always had a sparkle about her when she walked in a room. Think about the things that people would say about you at your funeral. And here's the important part. If everything I just said, you were like, no one would say that about me. If you can't identify your positive traits in an exercise like this, then you might need some therapy. And because I think everyone should be in therapy, I think it's really, really important if you struggle deeply to come up with positive traits about yourself, positive characteristics or gifts or talents or strengths. I think it's really, really important that you have someone that you can talk this through with on a one-on-one basis. Because you're not going to move forward in your life if you can't identify your true real worth. 
And number nine, lastly, frame your affirmations in a way that makes you actually believe in them. So I've given examples of affirmations before, like I'm a seven figure earner. And so I did a whole episode on affirmations, which I will link to in the show notes. But I want you to think about how you write affirmations and how do they feel to you? Because if they feel unbelievable, that doesn't feel good. If they feel like, oh, those belong to someone else, you're not going to believe in them. So if you were to write down, you know, 30 days in a row, I'm a seven figure earner. But every time you wrote it down, you were like, it makes your like skin crawl a little bit. That's not the right thing to be writing down for you. You should be writing things down that you feel excited about. You might feel a little bit nervous and a little uncertain about how you're going to make them happen, but things that you feel excited about. So maybe instead of saying I'm a seven figure earner or a six figure earner, you say, I attract money with ease and confidence or I persevere until I succeed. So you might have in the back of your mind that you want to make more money. And all you have to know is you are a person who perseveres until you succeed. Or all you have to be thinking about is I attract money with ease and confidence. So frame affirmations in a way that feels good to you versus making you feel bad about yourself. And I wanted to make sure to include that because we have talked a lot about affirmations in here. So quick run through how to improve your self-worth. Come to Shameless MomCon. Talk to yourself as you would talk to your child who shared the same self-doubts play devil's advocate, write a letter to your naysayers, move your body so that motion can help you process emotion, identify your competencies and create a space to cultivate them, trade self-compassion for self-criticism, affirm your real worth and frame your affirmations in a way that make you actually believe in them. I hope this was helpful. I'm so grateful to be in your ear today and I can't wait to be back again in a couple days. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.